0: Welcome to the Chat With Your Kids podcast. I'm Marcy,
1: And I'm Alex. And we're here to help you tackle the biggest topics through little chats with the kids in your life.
0: Welcome to this episode of Chat With Your Kids podcast. This week's episode is Chat With Your Kids about suicide. And this is obviously a serious Topic and also so important, regardless of the age of your child.
1: Yeah, and on that note, we just wanted to mention at the beginning that we're going to be talking about um, obviously a serious and and heavy topic, um, but we want to approach it with respect and understanding and in a way that hopefully can help inspire conversations with children in appropriate ways.
0: Yeah, and really a mission of the podcast is to help parents be comfortable engaging with their kids on these challenging topics. And so we hope, if anything, you can walk away today with that confidence to tackle what is a difficult um, topic. And we're so excited because we have our first guest on the podcast and just the person to help parents have that confidence. So today we have... Gabrielle Del Rey, and we are so excited to have her. A little bit of background on Gabby, or Gabrielle is she is born and raised in Miami, Florida, um, where we live right now, and she did her undergrad in psychology at University of Texas, her master's um, in marriage and family therapy from uh, USC, and she is currently a phd candidate in counseling psychology at the university of miami
1: where we met Uh, gabby and i are in the same the same cohort the same year um, in the phd program and we've worked together a lot over the years but we've also become dear friends Mm -hmm.
0: so today she is gabby the phd candidate but Most days, she is TT Gavs to our children. She is one of our best friends. We love her so much. And she also is an expert on this topic. And so, Gabby, we'd love for you to just introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about the research that you do and the work you do, um, you know, in this topic and whatever else you want to say. (laughs) Thank you for, (laughs) you (laughs) for such a lovely introduction.
2: I love you all more. Um, I'm super honored to be the first guest on Chat With Your Kids. I've been very excited for this. Um, so yes, I am a PhD candidate in Counseling Psychology at the University of Miami. My sisters warned me before coming on here not to say um, and I'm already saying um <laughs> a lot, but we're going to try to get through it. We're, like, working on it all the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I am getting my PhD in Counseling Psychology, and I broadly focus on studying family systems, and specifically Latino family systems. I am Latina. So that is sort of my broad focus, is family systems work, family therapy. And then within that umbrella, I've found a focus on suicidality. And so specifically, I have studied suicidality amongst Latina adolescents. Of course, that comes along with learning about suicidality in kids and youth in general. So I've been working on that for four years, going on five. And it is... As Alex and Marcy said, a really heavy, heavy topic. Um, I've definitely read a lot about it, written a lot about it, spoken a lot about it. So if you hear me have some levity, I think it's just because I'm more used to talking about it. Mm. Um, and really, I, you know, I honor and acknowledge how how suicide is such a difficult topic for a lot of people to talk about, mostly because a lot of us have been affected in one way or another, whether we know someone or a family member who's been affected by suicide. Um and so I realized that but I also part of my mission is to destigmatize talking about it. So if you hear any of that
0: levity, that's sort of my angle. But yeah. yeah. Thank I, you for having me. Yeah, we're so happy. <laughs> you were like when we started the podcast you were like the first name that came to mind of oh. like of course we need to have Gabby. And I think that like resonates with me what you're saying like it it's such a hard conversation and it never I don't want to say it's never like easy to have, mm-hmm. but I do think there is like you build up that like I don't know what the word is like that muscle of like being able to be more comfortable with it and so I hope for like listeners of the podcast that even like listening to this conversation and engaging with some of the questions and just the topic in general that it can help you be just like that much like stronger or more comfortable so that you don't shy shy away from it when it's your own kid or maybe, you know, a niece or nephew, somebody Mm -hmm. who you love and, and you, you're like, Hey, we need to talk about this. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so that kind of brings us to the reflection questions, um, just for, you know, listeners to start to think about and reflect on this topic.
1: Yeah. And our first, the first question we wanted to ask is when you hear the word suicide, What comes to mind? And the purpose of this question is to help us better understand kind of the immediate thoughts we have when we hear this topic raised. Um, Because those immediate thoughts we have or feelings are probably reflective of our previous experience or assumptions we have. Um, And that's kind of what we bring to this topic when we talk about it. And so it can color the way that we... Listen or talk about it or understand this topic, and um, I guess starting with that as the foundation can help. um, I guess start to recognize what comes up initially for us and then parse that out so maybe we can see or understand this topic from a new perspective. If you know, if we're open to that,
2: yeah. And then our second reflection question, just kind of related, what exposure or experience do you have with suicide? So, I briefly mentioned, you know, a lot of us have been affected in one way or another, even by just knowing someone perhaps um, that died by suicide or maybe someone at our school or a children's school or um, even on the internet, on TV shows. I know that has been popular in recent years. So what exposure do you have about hearing
0: about suicide or just proximity to suicide? Mm, Yeah, definitely. And I think even as a parent listening to this, that may be something that you've experienced suicidal ideation or maybe your child has yeah, disclosed that. And so it can be a very real, um, like you said, to everyone, it's a very real topic because there's always that mm-hmm. exposure. Um, and of course, that's going to bring out emotions and you're going to have thoughts and experiences because of the experiences you've had. The last question is, what do you want your child to know about this topic? Um, Whether your child is young and, you know, something we talk about a lot with chat with your kids is engaging in age-appropriate ways. So, of course, the way you talk to a three-year-old or engage around this topic with a three-year-old is going to be different than a 17 or 18-year-old. But, you know, even looking ahead if you do have a child who is young, as they get older and are, you know, starting to be exposed to that media or having friends maybe experiencing this or they themselves having that ideation, what would you want your child to know about this topic? So those are kind of the self-reflection questions and hopefully as we kind of dive in and engage with this topic, uh, we can provide some additional information. Maybe if one of those questions brought up another question for you or a concern, Hopefully we can just give information. information is so empowering. And then of course, um, we love to hear questions, chat with your kids at gmail.com or you know message us through our social media if you do have additional questions. And we are going to you know talk about this within the episode. and we're going to provide um, obviously your resources. Um, if you or your child or someone close to you is experiencing that, we're going to provide, those resources so you know what to do if you, you don't find yourself in that situation. So without further ado, <laughs> Gabby is so well prepared. She, <laughs> honestly, we could probably do like a whole series on this. Mm-hmm. Um, but we kind of want to just dive in and give you some good information. Yes. Hopefully good information. So
2: <laughs> I'm going to start with a statistic that I start most of my papers. It's the first sentence of my dissertation. Um, because it's striking and it's it's important to know. So suicide is the second leading cause of death for youth ages 10 to 24 and the ninth leading cause of death for children ages 5 to 11 in the U.S. Um, so young children are committing suicide also, maybe at lower rates, but it does happen. Um, I know in this intro we just talked about, and I did twice, about how we all have some sort of exposure. Maybe you're listening and you're like, actually, I don't have any exposure. I don't know anyone mm-hmm. that's died by suicide. And so... I present this both to point out, you know, it's a really, it's a crisis in our country. And also to say, I think if you don't know someone or don't have an exposure, you probably do and don't know it. I think that suicide is all around us, unfortunately, but because it's so stigmatized, it stays in the shadows mm. and the statistics we can't deny, right? So being the second leading cause of death for youth, 10 to 24, only behind accidental deaths. So we're talking even more youth dying by suicide than by cancer. Mm. so it is out there it is very prevalent and it's it's obviously devastating in a crisis so that's really important for me to always start out with to sort of ground us in where we are right now
0: mm. you know as you're saying that like something that just came to my mind of like and you know I Alex and I are also mental health professionals and we engage with this a lot and, and you know I've done risk assessments in schools mm-hmm. many of these and yet when I think of my own children and as they get older I think of like I was thinking of like the discomfort of putting kids in car seats Mm. like I there's nothing I hate more than like just loading (laughs) the kids in a car seat and like tightening the straps and it's like always you're like running late and it's like it's like uncomfortable like Mm. I just I hate it when I'm pregnant I like make Alex do it for like I'm like (laughs) I'm not gonna like engage with this but I'm willing to do it to like keep my kids safe Mm. and I think like as you were saying that i was just thinking of like this is an uncomfortable thing to just like face and mm-hmm. think about and engage with and talk with our kids but like we have to do some uncomfortable things to like keep our kids safe and this is like as important as getting a secure car seat you know so I don't that
2: was beautiful <laughs> i agree with you and that that is a beautiful <laughs> metaphor for this definitely so Um, The next thing I kind of just wanted to introduce, and I'm not going to go too theory heavy, but just for those out there that might be thinking, because I know at one point in my life, I probably thought this, why would anyone want to hurt themselves or commit suicide, right? For some people who have never been in dark places like that, it might be confusing. So there's sort of this one leading theory of suicide, I'll call it. Um, It's called the interpersonal theory of suicide. And it's a lot more research in adults. However, there is some support to say that this explains suicidality for kids. And I always say, even though I work with kids primarily, um, grownups are just big kids. So I think a lot of the human condition remains pretty stable throughout development. But So the interpersonal theory of suicide, it has sort of three parts. So the first big part is thwarted belongingness. So basically feeling like you don't belong, feeling rejected or like you don't belong wherever you are. The next part is perceived burdensomeness. So feeling like you're a burden to others. Feeling like others would be better off without you. Um, You're just kind of taking up space. Mm. And then finally, it's called the acquired capacity for suicide. And that is basically, we talk about it in terms of repeated exposure to and tolerance of painful events. Mm. So this can be emotionally painful. This can, so I don't know, bullying, maybe in the home. It can also be physical trauma, things like that. Um, And even self-harm. Which we'll talk about later but basically this is sort of the perfect storm that uh, scholars believe leads someone to maybe attempt suicide so it's feeling like you don't belong feeling like you're a burden on others and then sort of acquiring this capacity for violence Um, and that's what we've seen in the research so developmentally speaking again that's more studied in grown-ups but in kids we want to talk about sort of the neurobiological developmental stage so we all know kids, right, tend to have high emotion dysregulation. We see tantrums. Mm-hmm. Even teenagers have tantrums. Yeah, um, definitely. Yeah, <laughs> teenagers have <laughs> tantrums. I know I had tantrums. Mm-hmm. Um, so kind of this volatile emotionality that kind of goes with growing up and hormones and, you know, learning how to be a person in the world with big feelings, right? So we have emotion dysregulation in kids. Also low impulse control. So a lot of times suicidality, especially in younger folks, is an impulsive decision to some extent. It's not that it comes out of nowhere, but to actually take that next step to do you know, serious self-harm on yourself, a lot of the times it's in a moment of high emotionality. Um, you have access to means and things like that. And so low impulse control. And then finally, um, I like to call this sort of a limited frame of reference. So basically kids, younger folks, <laughs> have not lived long enough to realize that things can get better. And so when I work with teenagers, oftentimes, especially like younger adolescents, and then even, you know, 17, 18, if they are struggling with depression or anxiety, they might be experiencing their first really serious, serious bout of depression. Um, And they don't know that the fog can clear, right? Mm. So as a grown up with depression, you might have learned, right? As a grown up, you might have struggled with depression since you were 12. And you've learned you have heavier seasons, you have lighter seasons, you have that sort of perspective. But a lot of times uh, younger people don't. So that can also be, you know, playing into this suicidal crisis. Hmm.
0: I, I like relate to that because I feel like one of my coping skills that I use when I'm in like a crisis situation, as someone who has experienced suicidal ideation, I do like really do look back on those like previous low points in my life and how I was able to get past that. And I even do like this whole like cognitive exercise of like, Oh, like when I was, I experienced that like terrible breakup and I was 19 and I was crying in the shower. Like I think back and it's almost laughable now. Like (laughs) what a silly relationship to be mourning. It was like so juvenile. And I look back and I'm like, and look at all the beautiful things that have happened in my life since I was 19 Mm -hmm. and how grateful I am for those. And that like exercise helps me move forward. But like when I was 19, I didn't have as many of those like things to look back on right mm-hmm. so i think like that really resonates to me of like yeah like i didn't i hadn't been through something so big or painful to learn like it like it gets better like yeah. life is beautiful again absolutely
1: this is maybe going back just a minute but i'm curious i've been thinking about you're talking about um thwarted belongingness mm-hmm. and perceived burdensomeness and I can imagine there being an adolescent or a kid who feels like they're a burden to their family or their whoever, um, even though they might be in a loving context, like mm-hmm. their family might deeply care about them, do everything they can to show that. And yet that child may still, for whatever reason, struggle to feel that or yeah. somehow not able to receive that. I don't, what do you, I'm sure you've thought about that. I'm curious. Yeah.
2: No, absolutely. I know you all have definitely heard this cause we're in the field, but We always say kids are little sponges. Mm -hmm. Like you put them anywhere. And even if you're not directly talking to them, kids pick up on everything. Mm. And that is very real. You know, it might be parents really stressed about finances. Mm. And they're just talking about finances and how stressful that is. And, oh, the, the kid's school or the kid's camp or whatever payment it might be, right? You might not be thinking, you know, you're talking to your kid, your kid's hearing you at all. Those are little things that are so normal in families. So typical, right? We're all humans processing all the time. but. Those little things might build, right, for a kid. They might internalize a message of, I'm causing mommy and daddy to fight, you know, Mm -hmm. because of the bills Mm -hmm. or whatever it might be. Even if that's not the case, right? Um, And that's just one very specific example. But definitely, Mm -hmm. kids can feel like a burden, even if they aren't one, obviously, right? Yeah. Trying to think of other examples at, like, school or basically in any context. So it is really important. Well, first of all, let me say, give yourself grace, right? Yeah. We're all going to probably argue with our partners about stressful things. Um, and so it's not so much maybe negating all of that, even though I would, I guess, suggest not arguing in front of your kids, but adding in a lot of more positive affirmations maybe, right? Like telling mm. them how much they're valued and how you know grateful you are that they're just here, part mm. of the family, um, and kind of being proactive about you know giving those messages that they aren't a burden. And you don't have to say it explicitly, right? You don't have to be like, you heard mommy and daddy talking about finances. We're not talking about you. Although you could say that. Mm. <laughs> um, but maybe just making it a part of your daily practice of when you talk to your kids, like adding in things to be more affirmative and proactive,
0: that they're not burdensome. Yeah. Does that mm. make sense? I think like, you can correct me if this is not a good like metaphor, but I kind of fear... I, <laughs> I love your metaphors. So. <laughs> I live in a world of metaphors. I, love it. I kind of hear like... like be, like, more on, like, the offensive than defensive. Like, if we, like, build that into, like, we just make that part of their, like, self-dialogue and they're Mm -hmm. hearing constantly just praise and how much, like, how glad we are and, oh, like, thank you for clearing your table. You're, you know, such an important part of the family then that like kind of fills their cup. So when there is that, like, yeah, maybe it is even like they're walking by your room and they hear you like, (laughs) oh my gosh, like, or, you know, you are checking out at Target for back to school shopping and there's that like gasp at the, you know, price. (laughs) Great. Right. Like, it's like they have, you filled their cup. So you're like, not, you don't have to be on the defensive of like, Mm -hmm. oh shoot, like they heard, you know, they saw that look in my eyes when we, yeah, checked out at Target. But instead it's like, We're giving them a lot. So when that moment comes, they're like, they're good. (laughs) Absolutely.
2: And it it goes more broadly into building your kid's self-esteem in general, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. You always want to have those moments. And I also... (laughs) I want to check myself a little bit. I don't want it to be like we want to spoil our kids rotten, but that's all yeah. we're talking about, right? Yeah. You can have boundaries and consequences and all those things, but I don't think you can ever spoil a kid with
0: too much, you know, verbal love. Mm-hmm. If that makes or even sense. Or just like, mm-hmm. I'm proud of you. Totally. Really. Yeah. yeah. And those comments mm-hmm. go such a long way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think also, I think it's important to note that um, there there's a lot of things that are out of control. You Like it would not be healthy for a kid if we just like walked around all day protecting them from every single mm-hmm. thing and they're exposed to things in school and, you know, unfortunately there may be bullying at school that we don't know about. And, you know, hopefully our kids are going to communicate that and we're going to, but they might not always do mm-hmm. that. And even, you know, families who love their children and have given them so much still suffer from this, you know, tragedy. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah. you know, so I think there are things that there's, there's so much that there's a lot going on. Absolutely.
1: Sorry, this also just, I was just thinking, um, that proactive approach also sounds like it would kind of help with the belonging part too. Mm -hmm. Just like there's at least, maybe there's at least a place where a kid feels like they do belong, Mm -hmm. you know, if it's at the home or to the extent that we can do something about it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah,
2: absolutely. Um, I didn't prepare citing this study off the top of my head, but I've read over and over again that, I think studies show that just having, like, one positive adult figure in a child's life that's super affirming and super, you know, unconditionally loving is a huge protective factor. Mm. So, imagine Mm. having two parents at home. How lovely. Yeah. (laughs) I I love that. Okay. Should I keep going? Yeah. Let's do it. (laughs) So, the next part, I mean, why we're all here, right? The meat and potatoes. How do you talk to your kids about suicide? Um, So... Talking about suicide with children should be handled like you handle any other difficult topic, which is why I love your podcast. I love the concept, right? So many times we don't have these conversations with kids because we're uncomfy, and then Mm. it just, it's not great for anyone all around. So, you know, keep those principles in mind that you would always use. So I like to always say, you want to be honest with kids. We're not going to get into the Santa chat, but
1: (laughs) another time. there's always
0: exceptions to the rule. I love Santa. But anyway, we we were talking about this before we recorded and we're going to have Gabby back for an episode on Santa. So like be prepared.
2: And then you're all going to be like, you said to be honest. I also love magic. So Santa's great. But anyway, when talking about difficult, heavy topics, I think it's important to always be honest with kids and you always want to be appropriate right? Mm -hmm. So you want to be honest, but that doesn't mean you go in there and use, you know, the scientific or, or really scary words to describe these heavy things, right? So you want to be honest in a really developmentally appropriate way. And so I'm going to talk about what that might look like for different sort of age ranges. And then also you all, all you parents out there, the the parent experts. So (laughs) yeah, um, you want to be honest, remember that kids will grow up and be outside of the home. So if you do, fib a little bit and they hear something outside the home it can be confusing right and you also want to foster this relationship with your kids that they know they can ask you and you're they're going to get real honest information so
0: if not they'll google it which we don't want yeah (laughs) well and I I love that because I think that like little bit of discomfort or you know um having that tough conversation I think if you're honest like it establishes you as that that person they can go to Mm -hmm. like it It facilitates a very healthy pattern for a parent and child. Yeah. And
2: that's what we want. Healthy patterns. Yes. (laughs) So with younger kids, I like to say to use really simple and broad language. I will say, I don't know that we need to be going up to our five-year-olds and sitting them down and teaching them about suicide right away. I will say, you want to be prepared for if they ask you, Mm -hmm. you know, I heard this word at school Mm -hmm. or I heard this word on the radio. What does this mean? Right. Or if they, if the child knows someone that died by suicide, maybe a family member, maybe a classmate or a teacher, you never know. So you want to be prepared. You want to use simple and broad language and kind of let them lead with their questions.
0: Mm,
2: So I would say, you know, discussing death in general with kids is hard, right? Have you, are y'all going to do an episode on that? Have you thought about that or?
0: Yeah, we, we have talked about it and we've mentioned it, you know, a little bit here and there because we've already, that's probably one of the First big topics that we've encountered with Everett, like yeah. he asks about it, and yeah, and so I mean we are like yeah we're trying to just give him out of four year old comprehension level yeah. what that
2: is yeah. Not to put you on the spot, but what did he, what have you told Everett? Like I'm really curious from parents with. A live-action child. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, so there's a caveat, which is that kids don't really start understanding the concept of, like, death until, like, five or six, mm-hmm. and then not really till like, a little bit later. Yeah. And so it's tough because we try to, like, we do try to, I like how you said simple and broad language because, um, you know, there's lots of things that can die, right? And so we try to mm-hmm. say, like, oh, you know, it's like when something isn't, I don't know, like... See, it's tough. No, well, okay.
0: (laughs) We can go there. Yeah. (laughs) But, okay, this is really... It's funny you mentioned this because Mm -hmm. tonight... So, I was... I put the kids to bed. I was actually telling Gabby about it because they were kind of... They were kind of cute tonight. And Everett and Calvin were, like, snuggling in bed. But Everett brought up death tonight when he was talking to Calvin. And this is what he said. So, obviously, we've taught him something, you know? Like, we've had these conversations. He said, Calvin, when people die they go away and they don't come back Mm. Mm. and we're religious and so he did follow that up with like but we'll see them again Mm. like sometime or whatever and I think that is about like kind of where where we're at with him that was about and he told I mean he was teaching Calvin which you know but that's about what he said to him um and I think that's kind of yeah like we obviously aren't going to go into like the graphic details mm-hmm. of like how people die, but that's I don't know that's kind of where yeah. we went, I guess. That how we talk about it.
1: Yeah. One time, uh, he <laughs> he's fixated with like energy for some reason. Like if <clears throat> like how do we run out of energy? And um, I used that as a way to talk about death a few weeks ago, just that like it's kind of like the body runs out of energy but <clears throat> doesn't get it back he's like oh no i'm running out of energy like, no no you can yeah, he's like afraid of him. i was like eat and sleep and you'll have energy
2: yeah I, I i love all of this so i love marcy what you shared because what a beautiful moment right like you've taught everett and now to see everett teach your other son yeah. like that just warms my heart and i'm so proud of them so i must you must be so proud of them mm-hmm. um and then alex i love that you let everett lead right like he knows about energy so you're like perfect let me sneak this in this way and then you brought up something i also wanted to discuss which is Kind of the reason why you want to be careful with your language. So I know a lot of times when mm-hmm. families talk about death to little kids, they'll say, oh, grandpa just went to sleep forever. Mm-hmm. And I always say, please don't say that, because your kid's going to be afraid to go to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> or your kid's going to be afraid for you to go to sleep, right? And so it's this really tricky dance. Mm-hmm. Um, I also love that you brought in your religion, because I think this is so specific to families and belief systems on how you talk about this. I'm less religious, and one way I've read about it is sort of saying, you know, um, their body, you know, got really old and stopped working. And sometimes that happens. Um, or with an illness, you know, their body got this illness, you know, whether it be cancer, um, no matter what it is, and sort of the body stops. And that happens sometimes. I don't think there's any great ones. I don't love any of them. but Yeah. <laughs> it kind of, you know, I'm glad we're talking about all these different perspectives because it really has to be, you know, unique and specific to the family and child.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, and I think that's what, like... It's not that there's like one right way, silver bullet to approach these topics, mm-hmm. because there are so many systems at play: your family, your belief, your values. But there really are these like guidelines of mm-hmm. like we need to be honest. We, yeah, we we shouldn't say, oh, they yeah got on a bus and went to a faraway magical place. <laughs> like that's not true, and that's going to be confusing when they're fifteen and they're like. Hey, so remember when you, like, told me that my friend went on a bus or whatever? Like, that's problematic. They're never going to get on a bus again. Yeah, exactly, (laughs) right? Um, But we also, you know, like, every family is going to look, it's just going to look a little different. Absolutely.
2: And there's a lot of resources out there. So while I, I know a little bit about suicide, definitely this specific niche isn't my topic, so... I'm sure there's books, there's articles, all of that on different... And you can, you know, find something that lines up with your family's belief system on how to talk about death. Mm -hmm. And so in line with that, the way you talk about suicide would be really similar. Um, You'll notice that I try to say death by suicide instead of committed suicide. Mm -hmm. um, Which for so long we said committed suicide and sometimes I'll say it too. Um, But I think died by suicide is just a little less stigmatizing. Mm -hmm. Committed is like you did something. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, So death by suicide... You can explain it kind of with a medical model also of like depression is an illness, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you want to be careful with that too, which is the theme, right? Be careful with everything yeah. you say um, because it's totally normal to feel sad. We all feel... I felt sad today. You know. <laughs> yeah. We all feel sad. We all have low days, low moments. Um, even some of us struggle with depression and we'll never struggle with suicidal thoughts or mm-hmm. feelings. So we want to talk about the whole range of emotion, right? But it is true that sometimes... You know, depression can get really severe and depression can be an illness. Mm -hmm. And so death by suicide is sometimes part of that. So with the little kids, we want to be honest, but try to, you know, be simple and sort of abstract in a way that they'll understand. I love the Everett examples Um, with older kids. So let's go to like elementary school. So like seven to 10, you can start to, you know, give a little more detail. They are developmentally getting there, especially nowadays with Mm -hmm. TV shows and the internet and all that. Mm hmm. So you can have sort of a more deep discussion and then especially when we get to middle school and middle school I think is a really crucial age. I think a lot of the times us as grown-ups or parents see our middle school child as still little babies but in the middle school environment they are you know pre-adolescents at this point. So in middle school you might you know venture off and have these deeper conversations. You might even initiate you know how I said not to sit down your four-year-old and randomly explain suicide, middle school might be a different situation. So in this time, you might want to be having conversations, you know, if they've heard about suicide, what do they know about suicide, what they've heard and where. So sort of asking those questions, fostering that discussion. Uh, Remember, they're being exposed likely through TV or TikTok or whatever it might be. Um, Also friends in middle school, Mm -hmm. they might have a friend come to them and Mm -hmm. say that they're having, you know, thoughts of hurting themselves and things like that. So Again, opening the communication bridge for you
0: and your kids. Mm-hmm. And then... I think somebody, something to say with that. I think that friends is actually a good in to the conversation. I think um, a lot of times... I, I have a lot of thoughts on yeah, this. Please, please. A lot of times it's hard to talk about when you personally are experiencing this, right? Um, and And I think that even goes back, you know, we were talking about different values and belief systems and I think that is, it is so important the way we talk about this, that we're careful in our language if, um, that we're not stigmatizing or if, you know, there is somebody, if there's a community event that we're not saying, how could somebody do that? That's so selfish because kids hear that and Mm. they, they take in those messages. So if they're having those kinds of thoughts and they've heard a parent express that, then even just having that thought is bad, they can't talk about it, right? Um, So one, we can be really preventative in the way that we talk about that, that we don't condemn that, like you said, we have a medical approach that we have compassion and sympathy. But that being said, um, even, you know, if they have not had like a negative experience with it, they may be less like willing to talk about Mm -hmm. themselves. But I think a good way of just saying, you know, hey... I, you know, sometimes your, you know, kids at this age or, you know, you may have a friend who tells you that they're feeling this way and as like your parent or or uncle, I want you to know that's like, that's a, that's a lot for somebody your age to take in and like you Mm -hmm. can talk to me and maybe then you can like ask the question like, have you ever had a friend talk to you about that? And maybe you can even start, right? And as you're having the conversation, let them lead. And then maybe you can ask that. Have you ever felt like that? You know, but I think it's a good in. And I think that is kids talk a lot about it. And I remember one of my first exposures was a friend when I was in high school texting me and I did, I felt scared and very alone. And I felt a lot of responsibility and I didn't know like what to do. And so I think. You know, even just... I think that's, like, an easier, softer conversation starter. Yeah. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. You said so much
2: good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> one thing that stuck with me, and I think maybe that could be, like, one of the takeaway messages from this episode is, like, I think we want to reduce shame in general about talking about these things. hmm And so... I know we're giving a lot of like, do say this, don't say that. Yeah. But we're also human. We're going to say things sometimes without thinking about them. Yeah. And I think like one of the big takeaways is just trying to reduce that shame of like, yeah. it's okay to talk about. And even, you know, you can say as a grown up, I even feel uncomfy talking about this to you. You know, like I, I kind of get it. I love that. Yeah. Because yeah. Um, kids take cues from us all the time, mm-hmm. you know, so. It's
1: part of being honest, like you're talking about.
2: Mm-hmm. Transparent. It's also okay to admit that you don't have all the answers. So hopefully this podcast helped. Hopefully you can Google. Also look at the resources we've given. But when you're talking to your kids about these things, it's okay to obviously feel nervous and uncomfortable. Sharing those feelings of nervousness and uncomfortableness can be helpful. And then also it's really good modeling to be like, I don't know. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, that is a good question. Let's let's talk about it together. Let's mm-hmm. look it up together. Because mm-hmm. um, suicide is confusing to many people, right? I also love that you brought up a lot of the times we hear this sort of myth, I like to call it a myth or stigma, that suicide is selfish. Yeah. And I know I grew up hearing that. Mm-hmm. Um, I just want to, you know, touch back on that, that pattern that we've seen, that people who do die by suicide, they feel that they're actually a burden. You know, yeah. a lot of the times, you know, for my, for my dissertation and throughout my other roles, you know, at the hospital, at the children's hospital... Talking to young children who have attempted suicide have told me various forms of feeling like a burden to families, mm-hmm. you know, they're not thinking selfishly at no. all, you know, even though I totally get the knee-jerk reaction or that, where that myth comes from, right? Because suicide does affect everyone around the yeah. person.
0: Especially with a child. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. yeah.
0: And I think like earlier you used the terminology, like a public health crisis. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Absolutely. and I think... I think even talking about that in that way is so important Mm -hmm. that like it's not like, yeah, it's not this like people just making selfish choices. Like it's, it's a real mental health Mm -hmm. issue. Like not mental issues. Mental crisis, mental issues. Yeah. Like it, this is real suffering and Like you said, there's, like, there's this, like, process people go through. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Absolutely. So I want to
2: touch on a little bit of the warning signs in your own kids or kids you interact with. So obviously we want to think about feelings of loneliness, that sort of rejection, that thwarted belongingness. So feeling lonely, you know, misplaced, whether it be at home or at school or whatever context they're in feeling like a burden, exposure to violence. So all those ones we've discussed. You might hear a kid say, you know, I feel like everyone would be better off without me. Something Mm -hmm. like that. So sometimes you want to pay attention to the language. They won't, you know, be so direct. But if you hear, those are sort of those warning signs, right? Like,
1: Like, I wish I could just go away or something. I wish I could
2: just Mm -hmm. go away or, oh, everyone would be so much happier without me. Or Mm -hmm. at school, you know, nobody wanted me at the lunch table and... It'd be so much better off if I wasn't here. I that don't, kind
0: of don't want to be here anymore. I want to yeah. go to sleep and never wake up.
2: Yes, that's actually one of the examples I had. So okay. saying, you know, I want to go to sleep and never wake up, a very common one, which mm-hmm. maybe you've heard. Um, I once had a child say they wanted to take a really sad nap, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, things like that. So the younger you are, again, and you'll see, and maybe that's helpful too to mirror their language, you want to have that developmentally appropriate language and you want to hear for it too. Mm-hmm. So, you know... a. a You know, young child might not come up to you and say, I'm thinking about suicide. They don't have the language, but they have a lot of the negative feelings, right? Those like ported belongingness, all those.
0: So perfect example. Yeah. I think, uh, experience that I had working in the schools was a very young child who said something similar to that. And it did, it took some questioning, right? Yeah. Not using jargon or big words. It took some questioning to you know, ultimately, as I did a formal assessment in developmentally appropriate language, mm-hmm. that this young child had had made attempts at ending their life. And, of course, they were very young and they didn't have, um, like, these attempts were genuine. Mm-hmm. And it was very concerning and we were able to get this child the help that they needed. But you know, the, and the thing that was very scary and alarming was they were genuine attempts. Of course they were a child. And so they didn't quite have like the access or knowledge to know how to do that, which was in this case, you know, obviously a great blessing that they, they didn't, but Mm it, I, you know, it took a lot of like the language wasn't the same as a risk assessment or asking these questions with an 18 year old because the language, yeah, it matters for how old they are. Yeah,
2: definitely. And then the other warning sign sort of category is huge changes in behavior you want to look out for. So grades dropping, moods Mm -hmm. changing, any big friendship changes or sort of, you know, social circle drama. Um, Also decrease or increase of appetite, decrease or increase of sleep. Mm -hmm. Sort of the things we kind of look out for in our kids in general for depression, anxiety, things like that. I'm not saying all these things means your child is suicidal. I'm saying these are red flags to look for in general for mental health. And then also poor suicidality. Mm -hmm. And if you're worried, ask. So, Mm -hmm. again, we want to ask with developmentally appropriate language. We want to listen for this language. But we want to ask. And so I know I can think of, like, worst case scenario if you ask, your kid might be annoyed with you or be like, what the heck, mom and dad? (laughs) Mm -hmm. You know? But, you know, that's a, a small price to pay for if they do have these feelings and haven't felt comfortable talking to you you know, having that uncomfortable question come from you might open that door.
0: Mm -hmm. No, I think this is so important and I think this is one of, I think this piece is, there's a lot of tension around it. So Mm -hmm. I, when I was working as a mental health coordinator, we were trained as, um, mental, in mental health first aid and then I was a trainer and I would train other just pretty much any school employee on mental health first aid training. And it was a day long training and it was so cool. So, we, anybody who worked in a school, whether it was a teacher or a janitor, everyone went through this training because, like you've mentioned earlier, we just need as many adults who, in the lives of children mm-hmm. who are aware and, you know, listening and looking mm-hmm. out for them. And one of the pieces of this training is we actually practice asking that question. Yes. Like, do you, like, are you having thoughts of ending your life Mm -hmm. or something similar? And I, like, did this training, like, 10 times with, you know, each one with, like, 20, 30 individuals. And every time, like, it got tense. People were very uncomfortable. There was a lot of, like, backlash of, like, and, and the, the number one concern, and Gabby, you can definitely, like, you know, support this, is, is people would say, like, if I ask them that question, yes. I'll plant the idea. Mm-hmm. Like, I'll put the idea in their head. And research is, has busted that myth, <laughs> to use your terminology. Like, that is not the case. Like, Absolutely. like you said, like, worst case scenario is they might be, like, a little annoyed. Uncomfortable. Uncomfortable. Yeah. But the best case scenario is like the million. One is like you ask and, and they they've, often, if they really are experiencing that, they want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. They want someone to ask them. They want that burden taken away so they can talk about it. Or you establish yourself as somebody who cares and who they can talk to about that. You have a great conversation. Like the fear should not be there. Yes. Right? Absolutely
2: Well, totally. I agree with everything you said. I had similar experiences. So... I really learned about suicide risk assessment in my master's program for marriage and family therapy. And we actually, one of our finals for our class was we all, the whole class, all 30 of us waited in one classroom and two of the professors were in a different room alone. And each one by one, we had to go in and do a suicide assessment, assessment role play, basically with our professors and ask the question. And so the way I was trained, shout out to USC Rossier, (laughs) (laughs) they would always say, and it stuck with me. You want to ask someone about suicide, how you ask if, let's say you were asking how they take their coffee. Mm. So how do you take your coffee? Have you been thinking about killing yourself? And the first time we heard this, we all nervously giggled because it is, we're so, you know, it's such a stigmatized topic. Um, But it really is, especially with the older kids, you can use that language. Mm -hmm. And Marcy, I'm glad you said it. I had it like bolded and underlined. Asking kids about suicide does not cause suicide. That does not happen. If kids are thinking about hurting themselves, they have been thinking about it already. It Mm -hmm. is not an idea you can plant, you know? Um, So that's super important. So again, with the younger kids, you might not want to ask that directly, but you can ask mirroring their language or ask in general, you know, have you been feeling like going away or sleeping for a long time? Things like that. Middle school and up, you want to be that direct. So you can ask, have you ever thought about hurting yourself? Have you ever thought about killing yourself? Have you ever thought about not wanting to be alive anymore? Mm. Those are three different standard ways, direct ways. So we're talking middle school and up.
0: Mm -hmm. And I think what I like about that example you gave is like, because kids kind of, well, not even kids, we all kind of like match that like energy, Mm -hmm. right? And so if, like I, like if you're really, like, and you're beating around it. Have you ever like thought about maybe right, or like, like you're nervous? Eh. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm yeah, an expert no, at real. being nervous. Girl, <laughs> <I'm like, laughs> no, same. No, but it's real. Yeah. So like, I feel like you know. But if you can just openly, like you said, how do you how do you take your coffee? Like, how have you been thinking of ending your life? Mm-hmm. I think if you can like be there with that confidence, then I think that it gives the child the permission to like engage with mm-hmm. that same level of confidence of like. No, but I actually have a lot of questions about this topic. Yes. Or yeah. Can we talk about it? You know? Yeah. So I think it's just yeah, it's important.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And again, we're not it's not as light of a topic as coffee. But I love yeah. how you communicated it. It's it's the the confidence in your voice. It's the calmness. It's mm-hmm. the, you know, destigmatization, I would mm-hmm. say. And I also wanna acknowledge we're professionals in the field, we've all talked about our experiences. I work in a hospital with kids who have attempted suicide, kids who self-harm, all of that. And it's still hard for me to ask. Yeah. And so I know mm-hmm. I'm here saying, you know, ask like coffee. <laughs> but I tell myself that in my job all the time. Every mm-hmm. time I have to ask, I think of coffee.
0: Mm-hmm. I don't
2: know. That's just a little trick that helps me. Um, and I just, I love how you phrased it of modeling. that. Yeah. And I,
0: and I think like if you're somebody listening to this, podcast and you're like, you know what? I do. I've never talked to my kid about this. And maybe you have a 14 year old, 15 year old and you're saying, okay, I do want to do like, don't be afraid to practice it with your partner or with a friend. Say, Hey, I really want to talk to, you know, so-and-so to my kid about this. I'm so nervous about it. Can we, can we practice just like asking that question or, you know, it's like, we practice for so many things in life. Like it's okay to, you know, practice having an important conversation really? with your kid. So, I like that. practice.
2: That's how we were all trained,
0: right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, and literally. Alex like, and hey, I, I am tra- tra- sure you have done a lot of role play. <laughs> uh, yeah. Tons. Okay.
2: Um, so next, just briefly talking about assessment. So again, you might be worried. You might ask your kid. When we're trained, we look for the big three. So when I'm talking to a client or patient in the hospital who is suicidal or I suspect might be suicidal. I want to ask about the intent or motivation. So are they suicidal, right? Are they having these thoughts? I want to ask if they have a plan. I want to ask, have you thought about you know, how you would do it? So let's say I have a child who I ask, have you ever thought about hurting yourself? And I get a yes. I'm asking, well, one, have you ever? And two, if you were planning on hurting yourself or killing yourself, have you thought about how? At this point, This is really critical. Some kids will say, oh no, no, never. I just, oh, when I have a really bad day, I just, oh, I want to die. You know, sort of more flippant. I don't want to use flippant, but more, less serious. Mm. Then there's a group of kids that say, actually, yeah, I have thought about it. I've thought about the pills I would take. Or I've thought about the weapon I would use. Or I've thought about, you know, all the many different ways. That, to me, puts kids in a much higher risk group. Mm -hmm. Third, you want to see means so if they have said I've thought about how I know I, I would probably take my mom's pills okay do you know where mom keeps her pills yeah in the cabinet is it locked no the this is where the sort of evidence we have starts building and where risk goes way 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 up so you want to ask the broad question about suicidal thoughts ideations feelings we're talking a lot more seriously now if they have thought about how and if they have access Mm -hmm. and so i really want to talk just briefly about safety so if you have a child who's self-harming if you have a child who's suicidal you want to put away sharp objects firearms should always be locked up no matter what even Mm -hmm. i don't care if you go hunting every weekend with your kids Mm -hmm. those need to be locked away Mm -hmm. out of reach of children um those oh and medication so sharp objects medication firearms should all be
0: totally locked away um and I think it's important to know even with, like, young children. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. yeah, you know, well, especially with young yeah. children. I love
2: that you said that, too. So a lot of, a lot of the suicidal um, or suicide attempts I've seen in the hospital with adolescent girls I've seen a lot of, a lot of them take pills, right? One of them did say, you know, I would take my mom's pills. I know where they are. That was one case that was very clear cut. I had another case that she had already attempted. She was in the hospital because she had a failed attempt. So she had tried, you know we thought, tried to commit suicide. I ended up going in and talking to her, and she said, absolutely not, I was not trying to kill myself. And I asked, well, why did you take, you know, 55 Tylenol? And she said, oh, I had a really bad headache, and I thought that if I took more, the headache would go away quicker. Mm. So we also want to be talking about safety in terms of just broad education. Yeah. right? Mm. And medica- like that's why I'm saying, I don't care if your kid is 14 and super bright, kids don't know things unless you sit down and tell them. Yeah. So even with any medication, you kind of always want to be, you know, the gatekeeper for that in your home.
0: Yeah. That makes sense.
2: I got a little sidetracked, but... <laughs> okay. And then, really briefly, which I feel like I'd have to come back to do another episode, I want to talk about non-suicidal self-injury. So, um, the acronym NS, NSI, or no, NSSI, mm-hmm. sorry. Mm-hmm. Non-suicidal self-injury. Um, we see a lot of this through cutting in teenagers, this is related to suicide. It's definitely a risk factor. So if you do have a child or child who's cutting, you want to be really open about these conversations and asking about suicide. However, it's not always necessarily related. So there is self-harm that is not suicidal in motivation. So mm-hmm. cutting can be used, again, it's a whole other podcast episode, but for emotion regulation, you know, it's this whole other sort of topic. I know that some parents will freak out, rightfully so, because cutting mm-hmm. is a very dangerous behavior. That doesn't necessarily mean they're suicidal. It does mean you should have these conversations.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and have them working with a mental health professional. Yes, <laughs> and I think with like you know with what you're saying earlier, that first line of if you have any concern, right? Like, all, it's always important to ask and be you know when you're when you ask your child, like we said, be willing to have that conversation, but also knowing that there are professionals who can do, you know, assessment and risk assessment screener Mm -hmm. um, who are trained professionals. And so as you, you know, if you do have this conversation with your child and maybe they do disclose thoughts of self-harm or, you know, that they are self-harming, that would be a situation you would want to refer for them to see a professional. Or if they disclose suicidal ideation again that is a very important opportunity to refer them to a mental health professional
2: absolutely definitely and so that leads me into my last point that I've prepared um what to do if you do get yeses on any of these questions Mm -hmm. you know as Marcy said obviously we're a room full of psychologists (laughs) child psychologists therapy um, that's what I do. I think it's really helpful to have another person, you know, mom and dad are amazing. And I know all you listeners, <laughs> great parents who can talk to your kids about anything. That's why you listen to chat with your kids. Um, but it's really nice to have uh, a mental health professional, a therapist to talk to as well, to have them talk to, um, if you do hear yes to the other questions. So suicidal thoughts are a yes. Plans might be a yes. Means might be a yes. Any of those And you really, really are, you know, at home and you really think your child is at risk. A lot of people don't know this. You go to an emergency room. Any Mm. hospital emergency room. And that that goes for kids and adults. Um, A lot of people, I think, don't know what to do in that situation. You can walk into an emergency room and say, I'm here because I don't feel safe. I might kill myself. Or I don't feel my kid is safe. They said this. They will have some sort of psychologist on staff, some sort of mental health professional to then take it from there and ask more questions. Mm. And so that is like, if you really feel the danger, you go straight to an emergency room, any hospital. Other than that, we do want to have them in therapy, right? Having Mm -hmm. those people to talk to. And also, I have to say the hotline. So they recently, I think recently changed it to 988. So instead of 911, you call 988 and it's the suicide hotline. You can also Google suicide hotline. It'll be the first link. So. I definitely want to leave you all with that. And then I also have a list of resources that I will give to Alex and Marcy. And
0: we'll put in the show notes.
2: Yes. Of just links. I, I found this really cool PDF that's literally how to talk to kids about suicide. Um, it's more to talk about kids, or sorry, to talk with kids who know someone who died by suicide mm-hmm. and how to facilitate that conversation, but it all applies. So mm. there's great resources out there. And when in doubt, you can go to
0: Google Scholar <laughs> instead of just Google. Yeah, right. <laughs> you yes. get some good so, yeah. And I think like, I think I like how you pointed that out. Like there are so many different conversations in this topic and I feel like we're already like committing you to like come back to the podcast for a million <laughs> other episodes. The Santa. Santa yeah. <laughs> if those are my two legacies, I'm okay. <laughs> but I think that again, just like kind of to reiterate the chat with your kids model of like, you don't have to do the whole conversation all at once. Please okay. don't. Right. That's too much for anyone. That's too much for you. That's too much for your kid. Right. Um, But little pieces here and there matching their developmental level. So it may be, you know, yeah, talking about how to respond if you have a friend experiencing a mental health crisis. What, you know, just broader answering questions. So there's so many small conversations, but don't feel like everything we talked about, you have to go, like, bestow that knowledge on your kids (laughs) tonight, right? It's little conversations building on each other. Yeah.
1: So just to wrap it up briefly, we wanted to leave you with um, some conversation starters. And many of them have been sprinkled throughout the episode. Um, but just to, I guess, reiterate some of the key ones. Um, one of them we gave as a self-reflection question at the beginning, which is, um, you know, talking when you're talking with a partner or your kid about suicide... Um, it could also be helpful to ask them, like, when you hear the word suicide, or first of all, Gabby mentioned this earlier, like, have you heard the word suicide? Do you know what it means? Where have you heard it? Um, and also, like, what is it, what do you think about it? Um,
0: yeah. Yeah, that's just, like, I feel like an easy way to start the conversation. Sometimes, like, kind of, like, like sometimes the most direct way to it is the best way possible. Mm-hmm. Um... So that's like a really, you know, simple conversation starter. Do you have any questions about this? Or even, you know, we always talk about media, using media. So if you have an older kid and there's like a trending show, I know a big one from several years ago was like 13 Reasons Why. I don't know if kids are still watching that, you know, but there's, it's always in like so many of these shows. So bringing it up, like, Maybe you're watching a movie as a family and that's a theme. Even we actually watched, me and Alex watched A Man Called Otto uh, the other night. And it's a darling movie, but there are like themes of suicide throughout it. And I think that would be a great movie to watch with obviously a little bit older children. Mm. not Probably probably not your five-year-old. But it's actually a really heartwarming movie about, you know, this family that befriends this old man but it also would be a great opportunity to discuss you know suicide Mm -hmm. and so using like media to start that conversation is always I'm I'm a big fan of like use what's around you and just start the conversation
2: totally it makes it way more natural and obviously I'm here because I agree with the chat with your kids model but (laughs) the important part is the conversation right like kids are gonna watch all this stuff I don't know how I feel about the 13 Reasons Why. I actually never watched it, but I clearly hear about it all the time being in suicide research. I think the most important thing is having the conversation along with it, Mm -hmm. right? Like, Mm -hmm. not just letting your kids watch whatever media, but if they're going to watch something about suicide, best believe it's going to facilitate a conversation, right? Of Mm -hmm. asking, like, what did you think of the show? What did you learn from the show? And so on and so forth. So Yeah, how did you feel when you were watching this? Yeah, And again, I haven't seen it, but I feel like it's a safe assumption to say like any of this media that they're learning about suicide we should be talking to them about it not just letting them freely yeah
0: like, yeah exactly like well and I like how you like kind of use that example like kids need to learn stuff like <laughs> they need to be taught like that's just we have to learn things yeah. well it's part and they of, like, need
1: like another theme through this has been like children need that like emotional structure like having a confident even if we're not perfectly confident mm-hmm. but just having like a confident adult who like a lot of the guidance is indirect. It doesn't mm-hmm. even have to be like, we're not like laying out a plan for them, but just having like, um, like you said earlier, Gabby, having one stable or like trusted um, adult figure is such a huge protective factor. And mm-hmm. like being that person um, who can like openly talk about these things in an honest way um, can help structure like a child's experience. Yeah. So they aren't just left to wander freely in their mind Yeah. with like who knows what. Else is coming in. Mm-hmm.
2: Oh. You're modeling that talking yeah. and thinking, and
0: yeah, yeah. And I think we've mentioned this in earlier episodes, but so much of like we're adults and we have so many opinions and we take in so much information, and I think we think like we bring that baggage to the conversations with our kids. But like often with a younger kid, let's say you do have a really young kid, maybe you have a five-year-old who asks you, "What's suicide?" Mm-hmm. and you may say something like it's when somebody chooses to end their life maybe Mm -hmm. you know you they ask the question like we said you don't want to lie and a five-year-old they may ask another question they might ask why and you might give a simple answer because they are really hurting and they didn't know what to do but we want to help people so they know what to do to feel better. And Mm -hmm. then maybe you can lead that direction, you know, of like, what do you do to feel better when you're having a hard time, right? And I think we think, oh, you know, they're going to like dwell on it. But like a lot of times with these big topics, like that's kind of enough. Like that's a lot of information. And your five-year-old might be like, hmm, okay. And we know how little kids are. Then they'd be like, okay, and can we have chicken nuggets for lunch? (laughs) Like, right? Like we as adults are like so, like we bring all this baggage. But sometimes Mm -hmm. kids need... An answer and then they're like ready to move on, you know. Absolutely.
2: That was just (laughs) brilliant. And I I love that you worked that in too, and it's so spot on. You want to be honest, you want to say the hard thing, and then you want to model, right? So you can say that person, you know, was really struggling with a lot of sad feelings and they, they thought that was their only option, but we always have more options, right? Mm. I love that you said that. How do you, how do you get out of feeling sad, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, again, developmentally appropriate, right? And we grow up and we know life is really complicated, mm-hmm. but it's always good to sort of always be modeling that of like, mm. you know, building their coping skills, building their mm-hmm. resources, having them acknowledge, you know, when they are feeling sad, what do they do? Um, which is just a small seed you're planting, right? For that mental health growth.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Bigger conversation. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you, Gabby. Yes, I have loved this conversation. <laughs> and we, I guess, we'll just see you back to talk about Santa in a little while.
2: <laughs> Santa and self-harm. Hopefully two separate episodes. But <laughs> Thank you
0: for having me. It is a pleasure. I love you guys. Awesome. Yeah. Well, until next time, this is Chat With Your Kids podcast.
1: Thanks for joining us for Chat With Your Kids. And we'll see you next time.